We bless you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. Just worship him with me. Goodness of God. 
Good evening, everyone. Welcome once again to Faith Over Fear. Faith Over Fear. Are you feeling good this evening? Are you feeling great this evening? If you're feeling good, you can say amen. Amen, because God has given us life. God has given us breath. We are here once again on this night with a handsome man in the front of the church who is dedicated to God and married. Amen. I thank you, PJ. Every night he comes up here with a smile on his face, and I know he has a pep in his step, and I thank God for you. I thank God for you. Uh, there has been a few individuals online who are wanting to know where they can get the T-shirts, um, and, and I'm glad you're following here. I, I pray that we can uh, be able to, to, to share the T-shirts with many of you. You've got to answer the question. Uh, PJ got questions every night that's listed on the, the site, and so please answer those questions. We'll send you a T-shirt. There are individuals in various countries that are watching online, um, and I got note that uh, some are in India, some are in Pakistan, um, Canada, and all over the United States. And so welcome each and every one of you to Tabernacle. I pray, my prayer is that one day very soon, uh, after all this COVID stuff and division keeping us across border walls and all types of stuff, uh, that we'll be able to meet right here in sunny Florida. That we'll be able to worship together and praise God together right here in Miami uh, under the palm tree. Amen, somebody? Uh, we can sip on some coconut water while we add it. Amen. Amen. Today I had the, the, the most wonderful meal. Uh, as you know, I love roti. And uh, I want to thank those special people who made it a point uh, to be able to provide such a delicious meal uh, for our family. We have enjoyed every moment. And so we're going forward with faith. We don't fear anything because we know that God is with us. So tonight, we're speaking on the topic of insecurity, insecurity. And so we're going to turn to that very familiar uh, narrative in the Word of God. And I'm going to invite you to turn to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 9, 1 Samuel chapter 9, uh, verses 1 to 4. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 to 4. The Bible says, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath, the son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a choice and handsome son 
whose name was Saul. Can someone say amen for choice and handsome man? There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. Lord, have mercy. I mean, when the Bible says you're handsome, you are truly handsome. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Now, ladies, under the sound of my voice, this man is tall, dark, and handsome. There was no one more handsome than he. Verse 3 says, now look at how the Bible plays on this thing. Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's fathers, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, please take one of your servants with you and arise and go and look for the donkeys. So he passed through the mountains of Ephraim and through the land of Shalasha. But they did not find them. Then they passed through the land of Salim, and they were not there. Then he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they did not find them. For the next little while, we'll speak on this topic, faith over insecurity. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, give us a word tonight to be able to face insecurity. Lord, speak. May we all be willing to hear. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Insecurity. I'll start with a definition tonight. Insecurity is the lack of confidence and anxiety. An overall sense of uncertainty about worth, abilities, skills, and value as a person. Now the Bible says... That Saul was a tall, dark, and handsome man. I mean, there was no one more handsome than he. But from the moment that Saul was introduced, we can see a difference in him as a leader. After all, Saul is not like Moses, he's not like Jeremiah. After all, they had their insecurities. PJ, when, 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 when God went to Moses and God said, Moses, I want for you to go onto the children of Israel and, and take them out of bondage, Moses turned to God and said, God, are you sure? In fact, in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 10, Moses said to God, pardon me, God, um, excuse me, I have never been eloquent. Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. That was the excuse Moses gave, and God said, so what? It doesn't matter what insecurities you have. I just gave you a mission, and I expect for you to go and do what I have said. When God came to Jeremiah, Jeremiah says, but look, Lord, I am young. I can't do this. And God said, don't say to me that you're young. Go and tell them everything I say. Don't be afraid of their faces. When God comes to this man, whose name is Saul, and God says, look, I have a job for you to do. Uh, we have an issue here with Saul. Why? Because when God comes to him, Saul is very different than Jeremiah and also Moses and the others because Saul is stuck on his inadequacy, his insecurities. How do we know? Because when the message came 
to Saul. Uh, first off, Saul was sent to go find some donkeys. I just read it. And when he goes to find the donkeys, Saul has a problem. He can't find the donkeys. Now, donkeys in scripture is actually wisdom. That's why donkeys spoke in the Bible. It was a sign of wisdom. And here we find that this call is given to this man. Now, now just give you some background because um, uh, uh, Saul was not supposed to be king in the first place. God wanted to be the king of his people. But they got scared and they said, look, God, we don't want you as king. We want our own king. We want to be just like the other nations. So find us a king, God. We want to choose our king. And when they chose the king, they chose the person who was the most handsome. They chose the one based on their outward appearance that thought that he was the, all that and a bag of chips. But all he was was just all that and a bag of chips. He was not kingly material. But what I want to pause here for a moment is that none of us, none of us are all that in a bag of chips. Can I burst your bubble? The fact is that when God finds us, he takes something that should be trash. He takes us that should be trash. We're talking about insecurities. We come with our frailties. We come with our insecurities. We come with all of our baggage. And God takes that and he changes it into something wonderful. And God wanted to do the same for this man, Saul. But because he was so stuck on himself, he could not see past his insecurities. Insecurities can hold you. They can bind you if you're not careful. And that's what we find with, with Saul. He goes and he tries to find these donkeys that's supposed to be a symbol of wisdom. And this is a foreshadowing of things to come because Saul is eluded. He is evaded by wisdom. And he goes out. And what we find him doing is quitting before he can find the donkeys. He quits. And even after his friend who was accompanying him says, Saul, we got to keep going. We got to find these donkeys. We got to go. In fact, there is someone who is in town who is a prophet, Samuel, who can show us where these donkeys are. And Saul says, what do we have to give him? We have nothing to give. We don't have money. We don't have anything to give him. What Saul was not understanding is that God had a bigger purpose for his life. All he had to do was to trust God. But he couldn't do that. Finally, he gets to Samuel, and Samuel looks at him, and Samuel says, guess what? I took care of the donkeys. The donkeys are safe, but I've got something for you to do. God says that you are going to be the one that he's going to choose to be king. And in 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 21, Saul asks the question after he speaks. Saul says, why do you say something like that to me? He, he, he shows his insecurity right here because others, even though they're saying, God, like, like Jeremiah, God, I'm not even worthy. I mean, I'm just a child. And like Moses who says, look, Lord, are you, I can't even speak. Saul says, look, you must be speaking to the wrong guy. It's not me. I mean, after all, I'm the least in my household. I'm a Benjamite, you know. I'm just, I just made it. My family's least in the whole tribe. I mean, we can't even do this. And God is like, yes, I can do this through because I am more powerful than any insecurity that you have. But Saul doesn't see it. In fact, in fact, realize that Saul doesn't even attend his ceremony as king. I mean, when Samuel holds a ceremony to introduce Saul to the nation as their king, 
Saul is nowhere to be found. Okay, you don't believe me. I'll read chapter 10 and verses 21 and 22. Chapter 10, verses 21 and 22 of 1 Samuel. The Bible says there, When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was chosen, and Saul the son of Kish was chosen. But when they sought him, they could not, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, There he is, hidden among the equipment. I mean, here is the king, a handsome, tall, dark man who towers over everyone. There is no one more handsome than he. And he is now, with all the stature, he has been given the reign of the children of Israel, and here he is supposed to stand up and be regarded as king, and he is hiding by the equipment. His insecurity is showing out. Now I began to ask the questions, what are some of those symptoms of insecurity? Are you here with me? What are some of those symptoms of insecurity? Number one, an overwhelming feeling of inadequacy. That's why we found Saul over there searching for a donkey, and he could not find it. And all the while, he continues to be eluded by wisdom. In all of his judgments, in all of the decision-making, Saul has found that he is inadequate, and he keeps playing it out rather than to stand and be mature and to seek wisdom from God. This overwhelming feeling of inadequacy. The second is a lack of self-confidence, self-esteem, and self-worth. There are too many Christians, too, too many individuals, too many young men and young women who are out there with a lack of self-confidence, self-esteem, and self-worth. They can't even stare you in the eye if you're having a conversation. Because they don't have enough self-esteem. We're going to tackle that tonight because we, we know that that's just an attack from the enemy that tries to keep God's people down from being where they need to be. Number three, when individuals go through that moment and struggle with their insecurities, there is an inability to cope with stressors. Are we speaking truth tonight? I'm being very practical. There's an inability to cope with stressors. And in 1 Samuel chapter 11 and verses 5 to 7, when Saul is now regarded as king, he returns from the field one day. Now, 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 now I want you to pause here for a moment. He is now king, and he is returning from the field one day, tending his herd. Does this make sense to you? He is returning from the field rather than being in the palace. I mean, David was tending sheep prior to becoming king because there is a duty that he has as king to ensure that his people are well taken care of. But we find Saul becoming now a shepherd, herding cattle, sheep. He hears, when he comes back, he hears 
the people of Jabesh Gilead crying, and he learns that his people are threatened by the Ammonites. So what Saul does in that moment is, is that, I told you, he has an inability to cope with the stressors. What he does, he takes one of the cows and he cuts it up in pieces and he sends it to the tribes and he says, look, if, if, you're, gonna, if you're not, you better fight with us and if you don't fight with us, you'll end up just like this cow. What we find is that Saul here, this is the, this is the fourth one, he uses intimidation, threats, and violence to try and get his way. Hello, insecure people will threaten, they will intimidate, and they'll even use violence to try and get their way. That's why there are so many abusers even in the church. Hello, somebody. He threatens, he intimidates, and he even wants to use violence. But when the rubber meets the road, we don't see Saul actually standing up to be king. He is everywhere. His brain is, is not focused. He can't even concentrate for a moment because he's not connected to God. And all the while, God is trying to get his attention like God has been trying to get our attention even now. What we find, what we find is that Saul is so disturbed that he can't even sleep at night because of insecurity. In, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 14 to 18, he has to, he has to get David to come into the palace to play music so he can sleep because he's so disturbed by his insecurities. In fact, the Bible says that an evil spirit came and was disturbing Saul to the point that he was afraid. Now, God does not give us the spirit of fear, but Saul was terrified because of his insecurities. He not only that, but we find that Saul was irrational and even exhorted to violence even against his own son. All right, let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verses 30 to 33. The Bible says that Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan and he said to him, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman. Can you imagine a father speaking like that to their son? Don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. That's when Saul now changed and he hated David and he was seeking every possible means to destroy him. I told you, someone who is insecure will even turn to violence to try and, 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 and see how they can rationalize their behavior. So he says, now send someone to bring him to me for he must die. Verse 32 says, Jonathan turns and says to his dad, why should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father, but Saul hurled a spear at him to kill him. Jen, Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. My friends, here is someone who is insecure, and he throws an instrument at his own son to take his life. He tries to kill David. He tries to kill his son. So now you find even in the home there is abuse because of his own insecurity. Lord, help me. Let me go there tonight because there are some individuals under the sound of my voice who are living in homes right now with abusers. 
They're insecure. They're irrational. They have used words that are intimidating. They have threatened you. They have they have offered to even take your life. My friends, can I just tell you tonight, if you're in that situation, please reach out and get the help that is needed. Because that means that, that they're trying to hurt you. God does not want you to be hurt. He loves you way too much. I know some of you are, might be in different countries. Wherever you are at this moment, just know that you can reach out to someone in a local Seventh-day Adventist church. They can help you. They'll find the resources that's needed. They'll be able to be able to direct you to the person that you need or the organization that you need to be able to find help. But don't stay in that situation in an abusive state and get killed. You may think that person loves you because every time they hit you and they keep coming back saying, Oh, I love you so much. Oh, I love you. I, would, I, would, oh, I love you so much that I only do it to show you my love. But get out. Leave. Don't stay in that predicament. Even if they're your parents, find a church home. Find someone who can help you. Confide in someone. Please don't stay in that situation. Oftentimes, oftentimes, you find that they will resort to using words that are unkind. They will say, You're stupid, you're unattractive. You'll never get anything right. You're not like other people. You're a failure. You're fat. You're such a loser. You'll never make any friends. No one will ever love you. You'll never accomplish anything. My friends, at those moments, you feel like you don't even bring anything to the table. There are some young ladies and some young men who have heard those words all their lives and now they're even married with their own families and they're thinking, man, what do I bring to the table? I don't have anything to bring here. You walk around most of the time and you're feeling stupid. You're feeling overweight. You're feeling ugly. You're feeling boring. You're feeling like this relationship is going to fail at any time and the person that you love and they confide in you and say that they love you is going to walk out at any time because of those words that you have heard. But can we say it tonight, the song, the song was sung earlier tonight, that no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper in the name of Jesus. And every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment shall, shall show to be wrong, my friends. So I don't know what your daddy said to you. I don't know what your mother said to you. But I want to reassure you tonight that Jesus says something completely about you. Insecurities tend to stick to many of us. And hearing those words, they develop over time. Sometimes it develops into a feeling that you feel unwanted or even unloved. For some, they may focus on their appearance, on the imperfections. And there are even some households, help me PJ, there are even some households where husbands who have had uh, a wives for many years and now they've had children will turn around and say, I don't love you because you have too many roles. Not even understanding that those insecurities have developed and guess what? You're the one that had the baby with her. She got that pouch because of you. Now you turn around and talk about roles. You better love them roles.
we got to realize that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says in Psalm 139 and verse 14, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. God doesn't make mistakes. There are oftentimes individuals who are very insecure feel like absolute trash. Feel like you're, you're valueless. But can I tell you that you still have value? You know, a little, last little while, I told you this morning that we just moved into a, a house. I didn't tell you that all this while we were renovating this house. When we got it, it was in bad shape. We spent a great deal of time renovating the thing and still have more work to do. But I, I took a load of trash, 11,000 pounds of trash, mind you, PJ, to the landfill. 11,000 pounds of trash. I believe the gentleman was a hoarder. Um, 11,000 pounds. And when I got to the, 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 the hill, because Florida doesn't have many hills unless it's like trash, right? <laughs> oh, you laughing, you all know. And I got up on the top of the hill and I was unloading this, this, this truck full of trash. And then a huge tractor trailer, I mean a, an 18-wheeler pulled up and was pushing out trash. And I stood there in amazement because I'm like, that's not trash. PJ, I was shocked. I'm like, man, there's a nice bike right there. I want to grab that. I mean, somebody taught that they can throw all that stuff and just dump it in a landfill. And here I am looking at it saying, man, that's some good stuff. I'm like, man, I wish I could just sort through and pick out some things because this stuff is really good. I mean, you can sell some of that stuff that people are just throwing out. And I'm like, man, people in Florida, they got to be wealthy because they're just throwing stuff out like it's brand new. I'm coming back to this. Because the truth is many individuals try to write off people, put them in the landfill, throw them away. But anybody know that God recycles? God doesn't just, 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 just throw things out and leave it there in a landfill. God goes searching through the landfill and he picks out all the beautiful gifts and talents, the beautiful smiles, and that, that handsome man that is in the trash can because of his insecurity. And he picks them up in the middle of the trash can and he says, look, I don't know who put you here, but you shouldn't be here. That's the type of God we serve. Because, you know, people don't treasure, people don't treasure us. Can I say it? I mean, guess what? There was a, there was a show online where, where an individual um, had cars in like their backyard just rotting away. You ever seen those shows? And one man actually had like a 1965 uh, 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 car. It was, a, it was a Mustang. And anyone know those Mustangs are very powerful? I mean, they're great cars. And they just put it in the trash, not, not realizing, just leaving it in the back, just rotting away. And a man was passing by. He stopped, and he looked in the back, and he said, hey, 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 uh, uh, how much you want for that? He's like, oh, that's just junk. You can just haul it away. So, so he took the thing back to the shop, uh, sanded it down, scraped it, repainted it and everything, fixed up the inside, got some new stuff. And before long, he had a unique car on the road, a classic once again. That's what God wants to do with our insecurities. That's what God wants to do with our messed up lives. 
He says, look, they may not want you. They may have used words against you. They may have thought that you'd be nothing. They didn't expect much of you. But guess what? I see value in you. So what are the causes of some of our insecurities? What are the causes? I'm going to go through that real quick and then get happy and close this thing out. What are the causes of some of these insecurities? Some of our insecurities come from the fact that some people have shared with us that we need to be perfect. From a kid, they said, man, you can't get below this grade on this test. You got to get perfect. So, so we thrive and we strive all of our lives for success. To try and get to the top. We have to meet all of our goals. We have to be ambitious. We have to have all these dreams. And, and, and our success is great because we are dreaming big. We want to be able to get there. We don't want to fail at anything. But then one, all of a sudden we fail at something. And we get crushed. And that insecurity begins to develop. So perfectionism. Number two, failures. Sometimes you grew up in a perfect family, perfect Adventist, perfect Bible study, perfect Sabbath worship, Friday night, you're doing everything right, and then all of a sudden something goes haywire, and you realize that now this perfect family decides to split up. Hello, I'm speaking truth now. And, and now you're crushed because now this success and this, this stuff that you expected, all the decisions that were made, and this beautiful life that you had is now ruined. And here are the insecurities beginning to develop. But then there are also some moments where insecurities come because of a tragedy. Securities develop from a tragedy. There could be a death. There could be infidelity. There could be even abuse. And because of that, those insecurities begin to develop. God forbid anyone has had to go through those circumstances outside of death because each and every one of us have had, have had to go through or probably will have to go through the, 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 ash, the, 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 the issues with death. But because of that, insecurities develop from those situations. But then let me, let me just present also that insecurities usually develop when there is comparison and competition. When there is, when there is competition, my friends, it's like, it's, like, it's like when you get that grade and the other student gets another grade and then you're supposed to get over them. In the Caribbean, actually, to get into a high school, that is something that is very real. Anyone know what I'm talking about? When you have to pass that certain test and your test grades are listed all throughout the country. There's that aspect of competition that is always there. Even among siblings, there is an aspect of competition that exists. There is always that comparison. You are not like your brother. And because of that, there is this insecurity that starts to develop. But can I just share a text right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 12? The Bible says we do not dare to compare ourselves with those who think they are very important. They use themselves to measure themselves. And they judge themselves by what they themselves are. This shows that they know nothing. So the Bible is very, very clear, my friends, that we don't have to compare ourselves with anybody. We're good just the way that God made us. 
But then, but then we also have this aspect of condemnation. There are many individuals who have friends, you have family, you have co-workers, you have church folk who you sit with in various groups who all criticize and they condemn and they complain and it takes a lot to have even self-control after you hear their words. My friends, they will break you down, they will diminish and crush your spirit and you will leave the church worse than when you came. But can I just tell you that we need to be happy in our own skin? This does not mean that you stop improving. It just, that, it just means that you need to be happy with who God has made. Now, there is some other aspect, and I'm sharing this as the last one, but there are many more. One aspect that keeps getting us and keeps fueling our insecurity is the ability not to say no. Not to say no. Every time somebody comes, oh yes, I'll, I'll do it. Even though you're overwhelmed, you are stressed out, but you're going to do it. And that inability to say no develops as an insecurity as you continue living. But not only that, there is also the aspect of criticism that fuels our insecurities. And nowadays, with social media and all the rise of, 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 of YouTube and all the other stuff that goes online, my friends, that now is fueling a lot of negativity. So much so that individuals, based on uh, their, their, their security, based on how many likes they get, or how many, how many thumbs up they get. And if you don't get the thumbs up, then all of a sudden that fuels that, oh, they don't like me. They don't appreciate me. And, and, and it translates into all manner of stuff. And maybe it is also, not only did you get the criticism from social media and from even friends who also share comments, who also text you, who also are very negative, who instead of giving that positive, that positive uh, viewpoint that you need will, will give you some negative stuff. And it's so overwhelming because they too can't see that they are insecure. So our insecurities usually affect us. So the question, sharing all of this tonight, and I did not want to bore you. I don't want to put you to sleep. I want to wake you up right now. How in the world do you overcome insecurity? Because we're talking about faith over insecurity. How do I overcome insecurity after it's been drilled into me and I've had so many forces attacking me on all different levels? How do I overcome this thing? Number one, I'm giving you a few keys. I'm going to give you about five of them. And I'm going to sit down and shut my mouth. Is that okay? Right. Number one is to engage yourself with supportive people. One thing Saul did not do is surround himself with a whole lot of supportive people. And he kept on going down, deep down into a, into a state of insecurity till he ended up ending his own life. 1 Corinthians 15 and verses 33 says, Do not be fooled. Bad friends will ruin good habits. So in other words, for some of you right now under the sound of my voice, in order to overcome that insecurity in your life, my friends, you have to edit some people. Edit them. Go through your friend list and edit. If they haven't really been a friend to you, edit them. 
If they haven't said something positive to you, edit them, block them, delete their number, lose it, squash it. Okay, I said enough. Number two, affirm your value. I said it before, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible lets us know we are God's masterpieces. So why in the world will you continue to engage yourself with individuals who don't affirm you as a person? And if they don't affirm you, you need to at least take time to affirm yourself. A little while ago, I was looking at one of those shows on like Netflix. And this one lady went into uh, people's homes when they had a whole lot of stuff in it. And her goal was to tell them, you need to purge the items from your home in order to live a joyful life. So what she did, she allowed for them to gather their items. And they, they had a huge pile because, as you know, people in the United States usually rack up a whole lot of clothes that they bought that they thought that they were going to need. But they don't, take it, they don't take it back to the store and they just have it hanging in their closets with the tag still on it. And she took down all of those items. She had them take down all those items and put it into a pile in the room. And they had to sort through and hold every piece and say, does this bring me joy? Every piece of items. And after a while, they got in the hang of it that they said, man, I don't even need half this stuff. And they started to purge the items out of their lives. And they kept only items that supposedly brought them joy. Now, the question I'm sharing all of this to say, hey, to affirm your value, you need to purge things out of your life that does not add joy to your life. If the things in your life does not add joy, then maybe you need to reassess the things in your life. All right. That means you need to prioritize your needs. Okay, I know it's not popular, but you have to prioritize your needs. I know your, ki your kids are important. You love your children. But when is the last time you actually did something nice for yourself? I'm being real now. This is not a joke now. This is, this is real. This is real talk. When is the last time you took a day off just for you? I'm not talking about a day with your husband, your spouse, your wife, whatever. I'm not talking about a day with your girls to go hang out. When is the, time, the last time you took just a few moments just for you? Prioritize yourself. If you can't prioritize yourself, then you have lost yourself. And if you're uncomfortable being around yourself, then who in the world will be, account will be comfortable being around you? Prioritize your needs for once in your life. Many individuals, they even get married, PJ, and they forgot the things they used to do. They have no hobbies. They have lost themselves completely. And I'm wondering, my Lord, like... Your husband married someone who was, who was lovely, someone who was outgoing. Now you don't even know what you want to do. Do something nice for yourself. Cherish yourself. And then others will also cherish you. Number four is to challenge your negative thoughts. This may seem absurd, but in order to overcome insecurity, the way to challenge the negative thoughts thoughts because the enemy brings all types of negative stuff our way is first to engage in prayer 
When those thoughts come back, you will amount to nothing. You got to say, man, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You got to go down in prayer and say, Lord, help me to always recognize that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. When you get up in the morning, you got to look in that mirror and say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You got to remind yourself that you're the apple of God's eye. That no matter what is happening around you, that God made you special, unique, and there is nobody else who can be you. Then, you got to have that supportive people, I say it again, who can build up your confidence. If individuals around you keep draining you, dry, all they want to do is just cast all their problems upon you, maybe it's time you block them. And then lastly... Reflect on the positive. Reflect on the positive. That means sometimes you got to save some compliments. You ever get into church and somebody says, Ma'am, PJ, you are looking good. You get up and you look in the mirror. You're ready for church. You put on your glasses. Your wife looks at you and says, PJ, mm. you write that down. You take a note. On this day, she told me I look so good. And those moments when the enemy comes in and you all have those dull moments, those down moments where you're feeling like, man, I can't do it today. I feel like I can't amount to anything. I really, you're focusing on what daddy said and what mommy said and how they looked at you and how this person put you down. You go back and you read those comments and you say, man, she told me I look good today. I know it may seem absurd, but it works. Then, when the enemy tells you, look, you would amount to nothing. You're no good. You're this, you're that. You got to go back and also write out all the things that you have accomplished. And for some individuals, it may mean that now, you know what? I held a job for three months straight. You write it out. I held a job for three months straight. Then six months down the line, you see that you come back and you look at that paper. You're like, man, I've been in this job now for six months. And maybe God now is moving you to something else. But you keep seeing how you're progressing and you keep noting that. So when the enemy comes and tells you you're no good, you can show, hey, look, I have proof. God has been taking me on a journey and he's making me even stronger than I used to be. And then lastly, take a few moments to just talk about the things or even write the things out. Put it on your phone. Write it out on your phone. Put it on the notes section something you appreciate about you something you love about you what is it that you love about you quite honestly there are so many individuals could find very little they love about themselves that's the issue with insecurity but God does not desire for us to stay in a place where we're deep dark place of insecurity that continues to plague us all of our lives Saul was not supposed to stay there Saul was not supposed to be a bitter person an angry person someone who's disturbed and can't sleep Saul was called to be king and he was supposed to reign as God has said and if he had only taken the time to listen to what God desired, he would have served faithfully. My friends, God wants us to have faith in him that he can conquer our insecurities. 
And I know we have challenges each and every time. I know we have problems. But we can't overcome them in the name of Jesus. I'm reminded by so many individuals now who have suffered with insecurity. And what we as a church need to do is be patient with people. Can I say that again? We need to be patient with people. There was this one young lady, and I remember it on the Friday evening when I received the call. I've talked with her over the years, and she feels comfortable in me sharing this. But this young lady, on the Friday evening, she was on her way to a Friday night program at church. She had suffered long and hard with hearing negative comments about herself from her father. And then that relationship kind of went sour. So she lived with her mom for a long period of time, but still maintained being in the church. And, and, and one, one evening while she was headed to the church, she was crossing over by some train tracks and a group of guys met her there. And, and one of them called to her and she was not paying them any attention and they got upset as if they, she thought that she was better than them. So one of them started following her and she tried to run away from them and, 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 and one of them pushed her down and before long they had their way with her. About five of them. And she called. Police was involved. Went through that whole process. And the next day was Sabbath morning. I didn't expect to see her at church. I didn't know that she was even going to come to church knowing the ordeal that she just went through. The insecurities she faced all throughout her life and now in a situation where she's trying to get to church now has to go through this ordeal. But she made her way to church regardless. And while she was standing at the door she was dressed with a little short dress, you know, coming to church. Didn't have much. And one of the ladies at the front door said, you gonna come to church in that? You gonna come to church in that? She came in, but that sparked so many insecurities that she had and hurt her so bad that even during the service, she couldn't really concentrate. I tried my best later on, try to speak to her about the situation. She says, I can't come back there. Not after what they did to me. And it's not, it's not I can't get on that, that, that lady who, who said what she said because individuals can say whatever, but, but we have to understand that people are going through stuff. You don't know where someone has been. You don't know what they have faced. The moment that they set foot onto the premises, when, when onto the premises of the church grounds, the moment they come through the doors, the Holy Spirit has been prompting them a mighty long time because they're dealing with all types of stuff. They're bombarded with things from the past. They're dealing with stuff now from the present. And they'll be dealing with stuff in the future. When they walk through those doors, they just need someone to say, Hey, I see you. They don't need a long monologue. They don't need to be asked a thousand questions. Where you been? Who you been with? How come you haven't been in church so long? Where you been? 
They don't need all of that. All you need to do is to drop on their shoulders and say, hey, COVID or not, give me a fist bump. COVID or not, come here, give me a little hug. Let me, let me just see you. I haven't seen you in so long. It's good to see you. Squeeze them. Let them know that you love them. Because you don't know what someone has been through. You don't know the, what they had to face. You don't know the journey. Many times if we sit with individuals just to hear their journey, we would treat them a lot differently. Maybe if we just reflect on our own journey, we would treat others differently. Thank God years later, that young lady is now back to church. But ever so often, she reflects on it. But it's not like that for every situation. I'm praying. My prayer is this, that everyone under the sound of my voice, whatever problems that you have faced in your life's journey, don't let anyone keep you away from the kingdom of God. The church is for you. The church is for them too, but the church is for you. Because God has called you to the church. God has called you to his work. He's the one that's been working in you, working on you, working with you to bring you to this place. So my prayer tonight, as God has been speaking to you, you've been going through your insecurities, you've been battling all manner of stuff, and you decide tonight, you want to say, God, I know I'm not perfect. I know I have my challenges. I know I have my pitfalls. I know I have my struggles. I know I've faced with all manner of stuff. I know I got a rough past, but I want to just trust you tonight. I want to just have faith in you, oh God, that you're going to take me as I am. And God will do that. I urge you to go online. Go into the pastor's section on faith over fear on our website. And send me a personal message wherever you are in the world. So we can pray over whatever problems you're facing. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. And to let you know that you're not alone. That we're here for you. We're here with you. And Christ is going to take care of this situation. Can you do that tonight? Can you do that tonight? We just want to say, I want to trust you, God. I want to trust you, God. I want to trust you. So, Father, tonight, those under the sound of my voice, whether they're near, whether they're far, who have struggled with insecurities, who have struggled with trusting, who have struggled with even their outlook on themselves, Lord, I pray that you will just remind each one tonight that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Father, tonight, claim your children and allow for them to know that this is a safe place, a place where they can rely on you, a place where they can trust you. And we'll continue to support each one. And we'll grow together. So we thank you, Lord. We praise you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.